Hello everybody, welcome to Victoria's Secrets to Health and Happiness podcast. This podcast will be all about holistic health, so that includes your mind, your body and your soul because to me, health isn't just what you put in your mouth. So, let's get started. Hello everybody, welcome to episode number nine. I have with me a very special guest today, Katie Gibson, who is, are you ready for all of this? She's a nutritionist, a personal trainer, a business owner, an editor of a magazine, and she's my good friend also, so I'd like to welcome Katie to the show. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. So just tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you do what you do. Okay. Um, hi. <laughs> Where to start? Um, I'm a qualified nutritionist and personal trainer. Um, I um, am the owner and editor of Natural Athlete magazine. I think that's a good place to start. Um, so also own um, Derby Pike at Parlour, a local business. Um, with what got what got so I'm going to talk about how me, me and Katie met so a little a little story for you we were friends on Facebook and um we liked each other's stuff and then Katie used to work at what was your title as the um clinical skill suite business manager at the University of Derby yeah and you and so Katie that. very kindly invited me to a full body scan because you know you can have these fat calipers and you can chest your body fat and stuff like that. Katie had this amazing machine that you got scanned and it tells you all your body composition, your bone density and all of that. So I went to have one of them done, which was really interesting. And then I met Katie from there. And let's just talk about your personal fitness before we go into your business and things like that. So when did you first decide you liked fitness? Um, gosh, it's going to make me feel old. So <laughs> when I was about 15, 16, um, I started going to the gym. I was going to the gym sort of like three, four, five times a week. Got myself a personal trainer. Um, what made you go running. to the gym in the first place? I've always been a really active person. So I had a really active childhood. Um, we used to go out um, on sort of like camping holidays, but a lot of the time we were out doing rambles, bike rides, walks, all sorts. Oh, cool. Um, that I think is to do with the way my mum and dad brought us up. We were you're sort of more likely to find us outside playing tennis and running around mm. playing outdoors than inside watching television, yeah. etc. Um, I think when I was quite a bit younger, I think my friends used to find it quite funny that I wasn't allowed to watch like certain soaps and things. It wasn't a control. It was just my mum and dad obviously wanted to make sure that we spent more quality time being yeah. active and doing things that. That's really important. Yeah. I think. So, How similar. I was always. I was a tomboy, I was climbing trees and yeah. stuff. <laughs> so you then you jo- so you joined a gym. So yeah, I joined a gym. Um I was just sort of going in the gym every day and decided I wanted to do something different. So got myself a personal trainer, um, Wiling, who gosh yeah, so we're talking about sixteen, seventeen years ago now. Wow. Um it was actually his twin brother, took me out um for a run. We did a couple of home personal training sessions. And he took me out for a run, and I managed to run from Kenniston Road near Sainsbury's, about halfway up the hill, um, through Alice Street and back. It was less than a mile and a half, and I was red faced. <laughs> <laughs> I looked like a beetroot. I was out of breath. Got to the top of the hill, thought I was gonna die. Um, 
which at the time I thought was really fit because I went to the gym all the yeah, time. Yeah, I had the same. Is, running is just completely different. Yeah. And from there, I just sort of fell in love with running. So training with Hong and Ling, his twin brother, they both were sort of like marathon runners. So that sort of influenced sort of um, my love for oh, running, just okay. sort of rubbed up on me. And um, started to race a couple of 10Ks. Um, How long did it take you for the people out there who don't run? Who maybe want to start running again, running or running again? How long did that take you to get from completely dying a mile to running your first ten k? If you can remember, like, what was your? Did you have to train every day or? Um, no, I was running three, four, five times a week anyway. Um, not long distances, just sort of two, three miles. Um, and then I was still going to the gym, but I stopped going, sort of three, four, five times a week. It was just mainly running back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think a couple of, a good couple of months, but I didn't have a mindset in that I wanted to run a 10k. I did the the 10k, um, on my own. It was to raise money for the Macmillan unit on Mm -hmm. the road. So I ran from the Macmillan unit all the way through to, I think I ended up in Duffield. It was literally Aww. measured out 10 kilometres. Because what I love about you, Katie, is well, people will get this as we go through this interview. You just, you have an idea, a ridiculous idea, because wait, wait till you hear what she does with her running as she, go, as she progresses. You have an idea, and you don't only smash the idea, but you always do it for a good cause, and you just, you just do it like it's, yeah, I'll just do that, but it's like not normal <laughs> in a in a good way, which is what I really admire about you. So, to, to, I interrupted there, but so yes, you did your ten k for the for the Macmillan. You just yeah. you just decided you were just gonna do it, so you did. Yeah, and then um, sort of as I started running with um, through my personal trainer and people through the gym, just local friends um, who were running. Uh, a lot of them were sort of like oh you're gonna run this you're gonna run this 10k you're gonna run that so it was a social thing as well Mm. um I think my first actual 10k was um the Colin Potter around Darley Abbey around Darley Park oh that's a nice um which was really a really nice run and the social aspect of it was great um I can't really can't really remember how I got from there to running a marathon I think you do half a marathon before yeah I did I did a few used to run the um Buxton half which is like the hilliest, hardest oh, <laughs> half marathon there is. The first three miles are literally all uphill. That's just horrific. one long hill from Buxton Opera House to the top of Axe's Edge. But don't let don't let that put you off. It is a really great race. It is when they absolutely hear what I say. Stunning views. Yeah. Wow. It's an absolutely amazing race. Um so yeah, I used to just pick a few local sort of like Derbyshire based, um, smaller races and then just set my sights on going to New York. Um I ended up... What, my, to do the New York Marathon? Yeah, that was my first marathon. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, my... Um, I was actually on holiday. My ex took me to New York f- to propose to me on my 22nd birthday. Oh, my God. We went... Did you say yes? In January, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not married technically, now, by the way. <laughs> technically, I didn't, because he took me up in a helicopter over the Statue of Liberty. Oh, my God. And... Um, you've got sort of in the head, helicopter it's really really noisy and you've got headphones on to listen to the yeah. pilot talking I've seen that on TV so <laughs> so technically I didn't actually say anything because there was no point in saying yeah because he wouldn't have been able to hear me so, so how could you hear him then? I didn't it was just one of those things where you got a ring out you knew what I knew what oh he was going to do oh my god 
it was a complete surprise at the time, but yeah, I knew what he was doing. Bowser, so are just... you listening, my fiance? Well, and actually, no, I'm not even engaged. So what I mean is, I want to be his fiance. <laughs> yeah so yeah I mean it was like incredibly romantic um but yeah I didn't technically I didn't even say yes I just smiled and took the ring off him <laughs> brilliant so technically you could have the ring and you're not actually committed to anything yeah um so yeah I went to New York in January it was January 2007 and set my sights on the New York Marathon um so the following November so that was no it was a year after Oh, so you had a long time to prepare. Yeah, I think I think I took a, it was about a year from actually getting it because you have to. So that was January two thousand seven, November two thousand and seven. I was too late to apply for that one. Yeah, and the applications for the next year start on the second of November, but I didn't know until I'd got a place until January the following year. So okay, about it's a big about month, ten months. Yeah, yeah, about ten months to train. I was already quite fit and doing half marathons. Any anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I wasn't that sort of focused on absolutely smashing it or running it under four hours, etc. Just really wanted just to, to run it. Go and run it. Yeah. The experience. Um, and then <laughs> I think it was one of my worst marathons to date. I thought yeah. honestly that I was going to die running around. I had a chest infection. Oh my and god! I got a throat infection a week before. I moved on to my chest on the Wednesday and I flew out on the Thursday and ran on the Sunday. Was it what? So, so it was cold as well over there? Um, no, November. it's sort of, no, it was sort That's of medium. Bad. Yeah, November, it's sort of like September weather here. So you're just oh, sort of going yeah. out of summer. It's, it's quite nice still. And then what led um, you after that marathon? Kate does ultra on. marathons. Like, I'm not being funny. How <laughs> I did a marathon a few months ago and it was the most horrific thing I've ever done. I'm not going to lie. But I didn't train for it, so it was my own fault. But Kate, how long are ultramarathons? Um, it's anything over a marathon distance. So you okay. can literally run 26.3 miles instead of 26.2. Right. And if there was an actual race that was um, sort of like classed as 26.3 miles measured out, um, it would be an ultramarathon. Okay. But you run further than 26.3 miles. Yeah. Yeah, so anything, so anything from a marathon distance right up to you can do 100-mile races. What's the longest um, one you've done? Longest race? Well, let's see, two of the, um, the, two of the recent, the 12-hour events I've done, that obviously weren't actual official races, um, but yeah. that's the wrong, longest I've run um, is 63 miles. That was on a treadmill non-stop. And she did that last month? Yeah. And yeah, I think it was about a month ago. Recording this episode now in July, the beginning of July 2019. Yeah. You did that end of June, well, middle of June time. And I remember watching her on Facebook and I was like, what's she doing now? And she was in, <laughs> she was in a treadmill in the middle of Derby City Centre. And how long did you run for and how far did you run and how did you even do that? Um, 12 hours. Non-stop? Uh, non-stop, yeah. What if you needed a wee? I went to the toilet twice. It was outside Sainsbury's in the Into Centre. So I went to the toilet twice and I literally ran from the treadmill oh to the toilet and back on the treadmill <laughs> within like two or three minutes. <laughs> oh my God. Really quick. Um, so yeah, it, I covered about between 61 and 63 miles in the end. Um, not a fan of running on a treadmill, so but yeah, I think the hardest was... part of it was that, not yeah. being outdoors. Yeah. Um, having said that, That's amazing. it helps you to not stop or give up because you're on a treadmill and you people can't. are wandering around and talking to you. Yeah. So there was that aspect of it. Um, 
but yeah, just kept going. People kept bringing me sugar. Um, <laughs> what, the like... juice bar around the corner's energy. They just kept bringing me um, oh, smoothies. Bless. So I think I probably consumed as much, as many calories as I yeah, but, needed to. <laughs> but how do you, this is what I want to talk to you about, mindset. How do you get yourself prepared and do what you do? For example, that 63 whatever mile run what's going on in your head before, during and after all of that? Because that takes not just physical stamina, but mental grit more than anything. Yeah. Um, so with the 12-hour run, I had about four weeks to train for it. Yeah. Um, it was my friend needed surgery in Germany. Um, and she's literally, her body was shutting down. So um, in terms of motivation... Um, yeah, you had that. So how yeah. much money did you raise? We raised three and a half grand wow, in a day. Um, and sort of like the next day, people donated online as well. But yeah, when when you've got somebody sat in front of you in a wheelchair that you know hasn't mm. got long left if she didn't get the operations, which weren't available on the NHS, um, sort of a bit of an ache in your legs and your feet and your knees. It's, yeah. it's sort of, it's, yeah. That's so amazing. So it was a real sort that. of drive for me to run that. Um, with regards to training and time scales, I had to go by the dates that Intu gave me. And I can remember they gave me, I think it was the 11th of June. They gave me about three or four dates um, over like a month and a half. And I gave them to Emma and I was sort of like, please not, please not the first one, please not the 11th, please not the 11th, please not the 7th. But she was flying out before the second event, second date they gave me. So I literally thought, you know what? Just gonna do it. Just gonna, yeah. And has she had the operation? Yeah, yeah. She's had both operations. And is she okay? And she's yes, she's okay. She's recovering. Wow, and that is all down to you. No, no, no. The um, the operation is like thirty thousand euros. Yeah, but you put all that money towards it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I think if somebody can't have that sort of treatment on the NHS. And they're worried, not only them, but the whole family, you know, mum's worried, the daughter's mm. basically not going to make it. Um, you don't need that kind of financial stress added to it, thinking yeah. I've got to worry about um, finance to be able to get the operation. So, I mean, her fiancé, they're going to be getting married soon, um, which is amazing. Aww. He did a lot of, um, he's an amazing artist, um, BP Mole Art on Facebook, Um check him out he did quite a lot of commissions to so they raised a good couple of grand through that um uh, family and friends donations and things but they had over half of it to raise so they had like 15 grand to raise themselves yeah which when you are in that sort of dreadful physical condition where you you know she's just really tired she can't get up and do things I think she organized a cake sale no an art sale because she's an artist I forgot that as well very creative oh, couple wow. Yeah, it's her paintings that we've got on the wall in the Empire Parlour. Oh, but yes, yeah, when she, you know, when she's struggling to get out of bed and do things, actually fundraising and additional financial stress, it's, it's like she didn't need it. So, so you took it off going back to, to yeah. run for twelve hours and raise money. Yeah. That's awesome. After a day, it's all over. Yeah, but what yeah. what was going through your mind when, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but at some point, was your body like, "Will you please stop now?" <laughs> How do you push through about, these? Yeah, about seven or eight hours, I had a bit of a wobbly. Um, 
I had a blister on my foot, but I didn't know it was a blister. I just had pain in my foot yeah. at the time. And then I thought, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. Um, so you had doubts come in. Yeah. And for about half an hour, my mind was just sort of like, yeah, you're not going to do it. You may as well stop now. You may as well really? stop. Get off, stop. So I went to the loo to check out my foot. Yeah. Um, saw it was a blister and then realised, obviously, it's a blister. You can just pop it, mm. lance it. Um <laughs> Spray it with her, literally <laughs> send my niece was with me for the 12 hours, bless her. Um, she was running around getting me drinks and doing stuff. So sent her to Boots to get some, um, some like germaline oh, um, yeah. sort of stuff. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. Some, no, Savlon wound spray. Yeah. Um, and my mum ran off and got a needle for me and we, sort, we sorted it out. <laughs> just carried on running, <laughs> little five minute break. Um, and yeah, after that I just thought, you know, I haven't got any serious physical pain. Um, I kept getting really tired, but then I just I knew that I needed more to consume more calories. Yeah. So um, bananas. I, I, bananas. I couldn't really. I couldn't think. It, my sister made me some packle for the day, so some boiled egg salad and things. Yeah. I couldn't eat it. Um, a friend of mine bought me a banana and a bottle of water at the beginning, and I ate the banana, and within about five minutes, I just felt wide awake again. So, banana. Absolutely. So I sent my brother came back later with a big bunch of bananas. So I just kept eating them. Because um, they're easy to eat, I guess, when you're running. Well, nothing's really yeah. easy when you're running, but you obviously bear in mind she's running this whole time. Yeah, you you get to a point where you don't sort of after about six hours, six, seven hours, I didn't want to eat anything. Yeah. But I knew if I sort of took in a banana as well as my It's gonna help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so that just sort of kept me going. Um then about 10, 11 hours in, that last hour, I was physically, I was just dropping. Mm. So my muscles didn't hurt, but my, I was just like suffering really fatigue. Yeah. So we've seen Paula Radcliffe running a marathon towards the end, her head's sort of like bobbing, and she's just, oh everything gosh. she's got is going into getting just to that keep w- going record. Forward. Yeah. So I was running, I was, honestly thought I was going to fall asleep on the spot, um, but wow. made myself eat some more. Um, bananas and, and you got through yeah. it yeah that's amazing so changing course a little bit you're not going to expect this question but i've remembered <laughs> something you was a sports a sports bra model oh gosh for shock for shock uh shock absorber right yeah now you're making me feel old <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that because i'm looking at sense. just to give you a visual representation i'm looking at this is a bit sexual but she's got absolutely amazing breasts <laughs> she always has had and she was a sports bra model for big boobs right um how did it was for the it was more to do with um the running aspect of the bra because it was it's their, so important it was it, their, yeah it was their boobs. new it was there so it wasn't anything to do with my boob size <laughs> oh okay i thought it was i thought it was big boob women who run a lot because obviously it, you're going up well, and down the whole it's, time. yeah it's, it's important it's important for all boob sizes um yeah but yeah, the um they were they brought out a new sports bra, um the run bra, which at the time there wasn't anything specifically for you got training bras, you got mm. um added support ones, but there wasn't anything specifically for running. And did they get um, in touch with you because of all your running? No, they wanted the bras modelling by actual sort of like everyday runners. Yeah. Um and I think there was a competition um and there was a couple of people I think it was myself charlie um i honestly can't remember it was 2012 
No, seven, it's not that long. Seven, <laughs> seven, yeah, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Um, we went down to London, modelled the sports bras, and did sort of like a fitness video for them as well. So with um, a celebrity personal trainer, um, Elise Lindsay. Yeah, I've heard uh, of her. I apologise, I forgot that wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did sort of like a, a mate's workout, so showing you how could how you could do workouts with another person mm. without loads of gym equipment to get people motivated and sort of go into the gym together. Um, I remember now, it was December, I think. Absolutely freezing cold studio in, oh in um, London. It was a loft studio and it was huge. It was white and was, the whole end of it was like one massive window. So it was absolutely freezing and we were sort of, Sat there in little shorts and uh, sports bras. Sports bras, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just that's waiting. Yeah, just waiting for these um, <laughs> like in between takes and things. I've never been so cold in my life. Um, the actual sports bra photo shoot was in a fitness first gym in London. Oh yeah. So that was nice. Except I got told off about halfway through because we were in fitness first for about two or three hours. Um, did all the makeup, etc. But the makeup was more. It was body makeup. Oh, so the makeup artist, um, she'd literally she'd done fake tan and put loads of makeup on us. Then she put like dry water to make so it look, it like, look little, like sweat. Yeah, <laughs> so little like water bubbles on us. Oh my god! So, so guys, just... when you see these girls and the models, they're not actually sweating. <laughs> <laughs> About halfway through, while I was waiting for Charlie um, to do her photo shoot, I got bored and I was in the gym. So, so you just start training on the treadmill as you do. Oh my god, um, only you. I think, yeah, I ruined everything because I did some sprinting. Oh no, so you got real got sweat. To, yeah, I got told off in a in a polite way. She was she was That's funny. very professional, very nice with me. Yeah, and then took me into the changing rooms and sort of redid everything. <laughs> That's funny. I think so, some of those were in the outtakes, but what yeah. what led you into? Um, editing a magazine. I forgot to oh, mention okay. when we met. Me and Kate then kept in touch after the um, the body, the body scan. And, yay, I got to be in her magazine. In fact, I will, is there, there'll be a link I can put in the show notes to that um, episode or to, yes. to your to the site about Yeah, it. we'll do the, the website or the Facebook the, page. Yeah. So I'll talk a bit about um, Natural Athlete magazine. Yeah, and how did that come about? It was my baby. Um I can't quite remember what led me to. I think I was working with um, a trainer called Ab Sharma. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most yes. of Derby guys know him. Yeah, yeah. I know him. Um, so we were working on something called A3 Body, which was an approach to training and nutrition, mm-hmm. an all-natural approach. So the A3 was aesthetics, athletic, and all-natural. Oh, nice. So Concept. I think um, we were both sort of tired of all these shortcuts, you know, you need supplements yeah. to do this, you need... When you really and, don't. Yeah, and he was, like, an amazing example of a natural athlete mm-hmm. and how he'd sculpted himself without, um, without even sort of, like, just taking protein and um, pre-workout and recovery stuff. He had an all-natural diet from food. Wow. I had two or three people that I knew at the time were competing in... Um, um, physique competitions mm-hmm. and one who I was with um, who, who I worked with so I saw him like two three times a day every day at the gym at work and he was um, 
sponsored by a nutrition company and he was promoting all the products on Facebook and social media. Mm. He was miserable. Yeah. Really miserable. Um, he wasn't eating enough and it, how it affected his quality of life. And then I'd meet up with Abs later on in the day. He's like an amazing smile on his face. Just yeah. got a little box of food, eating whatever he wants. And you saw the difference between those two people that maybe looked the same, yeah, but were different. Just mental well-being, yeah, levels. absolutely. So obviously, both before the competition, Abs was restricting his um, yeah. carbs, but the restrictions weren't the same. So it was restricting mm. his carb intake, but he was obviously he was using. Um, different food so he wasn't effectively he was starving himself because he's on a de- deficit but yeah. not starving his body of like the all the other things so the minerals and nutri- um, vitamins that you need yeah um for that quality and he got that from just from, food. from food yeah. yeah yeah so it wasn't just the nutrition side of things so it was his training methods as well um and we sort of naturally moved from that into i wanted to find a way to bring that to the masses mm-hmm. um, and working at Derby University as well I used to manage their clinical skills suite I've said that already um, but maybe we worked not. I worked with um, with the body scanning yes yes, yes. Um, we, we worked with scanning a lot of um, elite athletes from yeah. um, team DB and across all different sports and seeing the effect on those athletes the mental and physical effects mm. we've got athletes coming in with stress fracture after stress fracture after stress fracture because they're not eating to support the mm. high levels of competition they've put themselves through um athletes with mental con- conditions but so we'd have to not show them any reports we'd have to throw towels over the um oh. over the scales that they're standing on the reports would go back into the coach because they would obsess and so and putting that kind of in. mental restraint on mm. a what a 16 18 year old um girl just purely for training to an elite level yeah you know a sort of that sort of sparked a little you know okay this isn't this isn't right this isn't right <laughs> don't get me wrong it's absolutely amazing what they achieve mm. and they've got that for life but are um, they happy though but the way about achievement um, and the same with all sort of like mainstream fitness competitions, um, seeing my friends at the gym, people asking me as a nutritionist about, um, oh, what diet do I need to do? What, you know, coming to me with fad diets or mm. saying, oh, I've got this pre-workout, that pre-workout, what do you recommend? What's the best supplement? What's this? And I would just sort of, every time I'd, I'd advocate food. Yeah. You can get all the calories you need. Um, you can get all the food. energy you need for a workout. From food. Yeah, not you don't need a workout. Yeah, it's not that. <laughs> and I think what a lot of people don't understand is the actual actual stress on your body. So if you have, you, you can be talking about a bottle of a pre workout drink, or you can be talking about a jam donut. Yeah. Um, you eat that, you're going to get an energy spike, but the energy. So say you eat a donut, mm-hmm. you get a spike in energy, and you would drop down to once you've used that yeah. energy, you would drop down to where you were before you ate the donut. But you don't, you actually dip because your body uses extra energy to process that. Yeah. So to turn that, um, to process that glucose, turn it into energy. So yeah. you end up in a deficit afterwards. Right. Um, which is where you get spikes from. Um, which is the... Which affects your, it affects your mood afterwards. It affects 
um, your sleep patterns. And it makes and you want you feel. more to get the d- high again, yeah, doesn't absolutely. it? Yeah, absolutely, how you feel. Um, and when you're relying on that for a workout, um, it's sort of, it's not it's not healthy. Mm. Wherein you could go and have, I don't know, a pancake with bananas and honey and get natural sugars mm. um, and have That's a great workout. Yeah. What about that compared to a pre-workout drink? Is that the same as having a jam donut? Is I that similar? It's difficult to say without looking at specific brands because mm. I, I know over the last <clears throat> five to ten years, a lot of brands have become a lot smarter in yeah. um, like producing protein shakes and things without any um, or, or natural. Mm. Um, but you've, you really have got to look at the brand and what's in the bottle. But on a personal level, for me, if something's glowing pink, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's a luminous green, <laughs> it's not kind of right, is it? No, no. I've so. had one pre-workout thing before, and I'm not. I don't know what I can't remember what it was. I'm not joking you. I felt sick. I yeah. was shaking. The, like, ca- the caffeine, the caffeine levels in them are. And I felt just, sick. But with caffeine, with that additional amount of caffeine, there are lots of follow-on implications that you, mm. people don't think about past the workout. So. If you consume high amounts of caffeine, it's dreadful for your skin. You get really dry, itchy skin. Um, it does. It's the opposite. I was going to say. Um, so it plays havoc with your actual eating patterns as well, mm. because increased levels make you not want to eat. Yeah. So you go through a starving and that binge yeah. cycle of food. Yeah, because your body still needs food, whether you. Yeah. You're suppressing it. I used to take yeah. fat burners and they have a lot of caffeine in. Yeah, so it works the same way as nicotine yeah. in well not the same chemical process but the same it's result. What makes in, you feel yeah. Yeah. In resulting in um, appetite suppressant. Mm. Um so yeah, then afterwards you will either crash or you will go and binge on mm. a lot of food. So there's all those sort of things people don't think about, they're just thinking about pre workout going in there, smashing those weights or running as fast as they can and um, there are so many better ways to do it with food. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that why you started the magazine so, then? Yeah, I realise we just took a really round no, that's that, that, round no, trip. I'm just trying to get... Um, but yeah, focus, so, yeah, so that combined with seeing the effects of um, the wrong way to do it <laughs> on yeah. a number of people, it was sort of all around me, um, working with athletes and training at the gym and having a lot of friends who were sort of competitive runners or um, fitness models mm. so I took the work that I did with abs um, and collaborated with him with the magazine so not only was it to do with a natural approach to training and nutrition it was we, obviously, we also wanted to um, promote a clean approach so promote um, anti-doping mm-hmm. and actually talk about the effects of performance enhancing drugs um, not just of steroids are bad for you, they'll make you go on a rampage, don't yeah. take them. Actually talk about the clinical effects, so the impact on your heart, the risk of cardiac disease, mm-hmm. the impact on liver and kidney functions, the things that people, because well, they don't quite, get told e- about no, it No, they're either. quite hush-hush. Yeah. And nobody talks about that or, well, I say nobody, back when we started with the magazine, mm. there, was, there was a lot less. Yeah. Um, Lot less talk about it. Um, so actually giving people the scientific facts about you know what's going to happen. Yeah. The worst thing that's going to happen isn't going to be that you get caught and banned from two years. No. Race. The it's worst thing is the what's going on in your body. Isn't yeah. It? Physiological impact it's actually having on you. Um, mm. And yeah, if you make the decision that your the outcome 
it's worth more than that to you, then find that's your personal decision yeah, to go course. ahead and do it. But, but at least you can educate with that many, yeah, with that many young athletes out there that are just soaking up whatever information they can get. There's so much information over the internet. Mm. Um, I just wanted to be able to provide a like a like, yeah, like a education educational and the truth yeah. out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, which is what I wanted to put into the magazine. Um, because of this, the magazine was advert free. Yeah. So if you go for adverts in the fitness industry, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a supplement company yeah, promoting something. Um, and you were doing the opposite. Really <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or some fitness equipment that's offering a magic, you know, five minute abs. In, oh you know, my god. Thirty days. Wear this like belt. This. <laughs> wear this belt every day for an hour, and you'll have like six pack. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next week. I found a couple of companies that I would have ethically advertised with, but then you find they're associated with yeah. another company. Um, or they're selling some products that don't quite fit. So we decided advert-free. Um, That's a you... bold decision to make. Yeah, it's financial suicide if you're a <laughs> <laughs> magazine. So a magazine, I'd say about 90% of the income comes from advertising, um, especially coming into sort of a digital age where you can download everything. So for us to look at gaining income for the magazine from... Um, actual selling print copies, yeah. digital downloads, um, advertising for non-fitness related companies on our website and on our social media pages. That's one of the things that when I that made me decide to go advert free was actually picking up a copy of Men's Health. Mm-hmm. And out of 120 pages, 60, I think 63 or 65 oh of them gosh. were full page adverts. That's crazy. So the um, half of it is full page adverts. Yeah, so the, the other half, getting... no, the other half has got square adverts all the way through it. So, yeah, you're paying what three to five pounds for a magazine, mm. but you're just paying for the opportunity to be sold to. Yeah, to spend even more money on stuff you don't actually really yeah. need. <laughs> yeah. So I think we were about fifty pages a magazine, but every single page was a recipe. Yeah. Was um a scientific article mm. about nutrition. Now I wrote two articles in the first magazine about protein um, and a simple guide, two-page guide to macros. Yeah. And you could pay £30 with a nutritionist and not walk away with that amount mm. of information. Yeah. So for £5... Um, you were given so much value. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the concept is still there. I still want to do it. But funding-wise, for me to... I mean, we did two issues. We went to... Um, body power we, we reached a lot of people mm. everywhere we went we had doctors we had scientists wanted to work with us um loads of sports professionals psychologists wanted to work with us um but from a business perspective i thought i could be doing this for the next five years at a steady rate mm. um but what i wanted to do to actually reach that many people was to get on the shelves yeah for which um two options so you go to two distribution companies um, that provide um, magazines to small retailers, so all your news agents and small shops, it's about 300 of them. But you've then got to rely on 300 small business owners deciding to put your magazine on their shelf. Obviously, they want to make money out of it because their livelihood. So yeah. it's a harder pitch but to go to sort of like um, W. Smith's or Sainsbury's or a large retailer. You're looking at not only having the brand and being able to pitch your magazine to them, mm. but also having um, the funding to be able to put 15,000 copies yeah. out there. 
So and how much money are you talking? I know we talked about it before. But yeah, between ten and fifteen thousand for production for each retailer. So I had this wonderful idea. <laughs> let's buy let's buy a bakery. <laughs> let's buy a bakery. And, yeah, and use this to fund the magazine. Um which um three years later I'm still in the process of. That is still the plan. Okay, I've still cool. got lots of support for the magazine. It's on the shelf. Um, sorry, not literally on the shelf. You can't go and buy it from Tisbee's yeah. yet. <laughs> not I mean, yet, guys. <laughs> you can, you will be able to one day. Yeah, I've put it on the back shelf yes. um, while I generate a steady income to support from another business dream. too, actually. Yeah. So obviously, personally, I don't want to go to the bank and loan and borrow money yeah. to set up the magazine. So I thought I'd take another business. I mean, it was a great opportunity me, yeah, um, tell us about that because this, if anyone doesn't know, I've not even tried your pikelets. How bad is that? Not even <laughs> tried. She um, will go for all the social media and stuff at the yeah, end, but drag, Kate, drag like, into it. oh my god, her menu looks insane. You're doing like a fitness menu, but well, yeah. I'm, I'm forward, jumping forward. Tell us a little bit about why. Well, we know why you bought the bakery to fund the magazine. Well, there are other reasons as well. Oh, okay, yeah, you, I'll, I'll so, do yeah. I'm taking over. That's, um, that's one of my main personal reasons. Um, so, there's something I haven't mentioned. I don't want to talk about my, my entire life story. But prior to buying the bakery, I spent the previous 12 years in healthcare management. So, working in the NHS, um, private and public sector. Um, my last five years, I spent managing the healthcare clinics at the University of Derby. Um, I ended up taking voluntary redundancy from there because they wanted to put me into an education role in healthcare management rather than... Um, patient services which didn't really tick my boxes in mm. terms of motivation for employment yeah. um, so I took voluntary redundancy um, Derby Pikeler Parlour I had been eaten at for about two two three years I didn't even know it was, it was there before you had it I thought you made it up like you no, made the business no gosh so it's like 150 years of Pikeler history oh, in Derby um, so yeah I used to eat, it used to be my little bolt hole my sister <laughs> We used to go and eat there, um, and for the last year, the owner, Mark, um, had been talking about selling it, mm. literally every time we go and went in. I, I might not know. be here much longer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was just a, a combination of voluntary redundancy, some money in my pocket, um, yeah. an amazing product and brand and like piece of local heritage yeah. that I loved as a yeah. consumer. I'd eat my way through the menu, so I knew <laughs> what it should all so take. So just stop a second, because people listening to this may not be not have a clue what a pikelet is. Okay. So just, because I know my boyfriend is Dutch, obviously, I live in the Netherlands, he doesn't know what a crumpet is. He's like, what the hell's a crumpet? So just explain quickly what a pikelet yeah. actually is, because people will be like, what? Yeah, so we make pikelets and oatcakes. Um, it's a dining bakery, so we bake everything fresh every day, and then you can sit and eat it with us, or you can take packs home, or we supply shops. Um etc so the piglets are it's basically a flat crumpet what's so a crumpet? If you don't want it, <laughs> this is where it gets difficult yeah. no it's, it's like a, a bread product so it's like a light spongy yeah um it is i would say sponge it's hard yeah. to describe yeah sort like of a like a fluffy spongy, spongy holy thing yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah if you just check us out online yeah, you'll be able to see what they are yes um so it's around Difficult to describe if you don't know. What's the ingredients? Crumpet. So it's made they're made from um a mixture of strong and whole um strong and plain flour, mm -hmm. water, skim milk and yeast and salt. 
So the, oh, the ingredients cool. are very simple. Well, they don't. It doesn't taste simple. It tastes amazing. Yeah, they do taste amazing. Yeah. Um, technically, it's the same ingredients as a crumpet, but a crumpet's made in a steel ring, so they're quite thick and chewy. Mm. Whereas a pie that's made flat onto the grill, so it's lighter and fluffier. Oh. They're bigger. Um, so you can put more toppings and things on, so you know I've just got like a thick, stodgy. Yeah, because I've only had a base. crumpet and I really haven't been. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Also, just really quickly talking about the ingredients, we do do gluten and dairy-free pikelets as well. Wow. So if you sat there thinking skim milk down or flour. Yeah. Um, we do make them with soy milk. Um and um rice flour, Duff Farm rice flour. So there are Ooh. other options. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's um. So you chose that business. Yep. And then one of the other reasons I had Kate on the show is because she just makes everything work and you, she has an idea <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's this huge, big business endeavour. And being a businesswoman myself, quite new to business, as everyone who's following me from the beginning might know, um, so I asked her to come on to share business tips and ideas as well. So talk to us about how, you made, how you've made it such a success in such a short time. I'm not saying you've had no stress because I'm sure there's a lot of stress to come. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had quite a bit of stress with the um, bakery specifically. Um, we've moved twice, three times <laughs> yeah. in the last year. Um, it used to be situated in the old market hall. Um, I was We were there from 2012 onwards, so for six years. Um, the last year or so, the football in there was just, it was ridiculous. I was losing money every week mm. and it was that slow. So from, for a food retail business, you need three things. So you need your regulars, you need your passing football and you need new customers from your advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, and with just our regulars and a little bit of advertising, um, we were missing the, the football, which you need in the city centre right. venue. So footballs, people walking past and seeing it and yeah. then deciding to then yeah, buy so there Yeah, so people and walking then... past your shop and deciding to go in and eat. That's, okay. So you need a third, that third year regulars and a third new football, but from your own advertising. Mm-hmm. So if you take away a third of um, a third of your potential income mm. with all the same running costs. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. I don't want to put a finger on it and say, oh, so-and-so wasn't doing this, or, but for whatever reason, the market all sort of went into yeah, a decline. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't sugarcoat it, really. No. <laughs> um, and then with the introduction of the scaffolding to save the building, so obviously they're having a roof, major roof project with it being a listed building. Right. It's going to take three years. They put a false ceiling in, into the inside. It's just covered in scaffolding. It's not somewhere you'd want to go and sit and eat for a while. Um, so the atmosphere changed a lot and we needed to do something um, I'd love to move back into there when it's finished it is a really stunning piece of Derby's heritage mm. um, the ceiling in there was designed by the same engineer that created the dome ceiling at the Royal Albert Hall oh, wow. London St Pancras Station dome oh, ceiling gosh, and yeah. the Albert Bridge so it really is a stunning and that's part of the reason why we're spending the three year sort of project mm. trying to restore it with a specialist restoration company so do please go in there and support the traders yeah. um, and hopefully we'll be back but that business situation I had to move my business out um, otherwise it wouldn't still be trading. So You've just got, a little so. note that I've noticed from there is Kate decided to buy a business it wasn't working but instead of giving up you just moved on and yeah, it somewhere else. So well, when first, did you go next? The first, the first year I had it there, um, 
the business when I bought it it was in decline the business was um the guy had given up um Mm. his own personal reasons um um, but yeah, so it was closed on Mondays. It wasn't open after sort of three, mm. three o'clock, or it wasn't starting till a bit later on. He had staff in that weren't um, that great. Mm. <laughs> um, so for the first couple of months, I had it. I had customers complaining, "Oh, came by, you weren't here," or blah blah blah. Under new management, we open Mondays, open for breakfast from half seven. They brought it into the digital age with digital apps and mm. all our social media presence, and it was. Yeah, yeah, really taking it, it, off. It took off really strongly. Um, then with the decline in football in the market mall, mm-hmm. we decided to move. Moved into the post house and out again within a month. We what were sold. We were the post sold. house is a... Just describe what the post Yeah, the post house is, house is a um, street food venue in Derby. So it was... If you walked in, it looked like a bar. Um, but you got eight independent retailers... So you'd go in, have drinks, and then you'd have, like, a choice of six or seven mm. different food units to eat from. Amazing concept. Um, had it been in London or had it been managed yeah, properly. Yeah, I think that's maybe where the idea came from, from I think. Yeah. It's not a tip- it was very new to Derby, isn't it? Wasn't it? Isn't yeah. It? Well, it was about a year old when we moved in. Um, we were sold a lot of um, promises that didn't actually work out from our manufacturing perspective. So we were baking from six o'clock in the market. I was told I could get in at eight um, 8.30 which was a compromise because obviously we had to bake and those orders go out to shops oh my goodness reality sort of 9 o'clock half 9 I was knocking on the door there's nobody there yeah. we're just dropping the kids off etc so that's um, bad business management that is yeah. from the post and then the food there was there wasn't any customers in the daytime we lost a lot of our regulars because the we had no control over the drinks prices um, um and the customer service was dreadful as well which we had i was as i was baking and i was actually leaving the unit to go and do waiting on at the same time to make sure my customers were looked after mm. and then running back to cook and take orders and things oh, yeah. um this was no reflection really on the waiting staff that worked in there they were really poorly managed so there was a really high turnover. There was no uniform training structure mm. for them. So they didn't know what they were doing. Um, they were treated really badly. And then, so having been in there a month, I sort of um, assessed the situation very quickly. thought, this isn't working. Mm. Got out, saved my business. Um, and then a year later, they closed down. Um, oh, they closed now? Did you not hear? I didn't I even know that. Scandal. Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. So it was in the Derby Telegraph. Um, they lost the liquor license because the owner was arrested for assaulting one of the one of his staff. He was undergoing criminal investigation when he sold me a twelve month contract. Oh dear! So, yeah, it was really it so was you, really you dreadful. So did well to get out then. Yeah, when you did, yeah. and yeah. then where did you go? So for the following three or four months, we didn't have a home. I thought it was more important to get it right than just to move into a yeah. building. But you didn't stop though, did you? No. Tell no, us what we supplied. <laughs> she did, she's still not stopping. No, we supplied um, Derby bus station. Yeah. So we had a major supplier in the city centre. We supply about 13 different places in and around restaurants, etc. anyway. Wow, where was your bacon um, at this point? At home? So yeah, mum, actually my mum's home on Stepping Lane. She's um, a wedding cake. Um, oh, maker, wow. so her home's all been um, 
ready to yeah. bake and safe and yeah. all of that. And yeah, registered with the HO. Um, yeah. So yeah, we um, we baked from there for a very short time, um, and then we were approached by the Eagle Market, who had been approached by a few times, and I said no. Um, they said, you know, come on in, you really do need to have a look, because this market is, it's going places. <laughs> so when they approached you then. Yeah, oh, we, we had a fair few markets in around Derby, Burton, um, with quite a few people ringing up trying to get the pie for the pub, because it's a brand and a piece yes. of local history. Yes, Um, In as a tenant, so we went down and had a look, there's quite a few new food places popping up at the top where we were. I saw potential for dining space, um, and with it being just the other side of the where the Playhouse Theatre is, you've got a steady stream of people coming in from the car parks in and out of into. Mm. Um, so yeah, I saw potential and went for it. Um, with regards to moving the business again, so everything went from the market hall to the post house, post house into storage, out of the storage wow. into the Eagle Market. But the Eagle Market, I had to um, had to build. The unit was a complete blank space so we had to build counter spaces worktops frames to support fridges plumbing sinks the whole dining yeah. area it was there was a lot of you're work. not scared of hard, hard work i'm just no saying that and yeah. still is your business at this point still in a decline because of no. all the moving or no it's um so from august no from october when we moved in october november december it was just getting busier and busier and busier okay, cool. we've got a lot of new um got all of our old regulars while we weren't anywhere they were harassing us on social media mm. where can we get Welsh rabbit yeah. where can we we want some stilts oh. and honey and walnuts and pikelets um, which was great they all came back to us within a few weeks oh, which amazing. was fantastic um, we have a new um, regular customer base and we've increased supply in a number of shops um, our packet sales have gone down in the market but I think that's generally a lot of our old customers are still finding us and we are yeah. selling them in more different places. Um, we've just gone to Morrison's as part of their local <gasps> food makers. Oh um, so I'm in the process of talking to them about pricing. That's so, so exciting. Yeah. Morrison's, anybody who's not in the UK, is like, a, well, it's a big supermarket chain. Yeah. Is it worldwide or is it just Morrison's United Kingdom? Morrison's notes in United Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a yeah, huge, that's a huge big deal. Chain. Wow. So yeah, they're they're a really great company in that they want to try and get more fresh. Yeah, they're all about um, fresh local, supporting local and independent um, farmers and food producers. Yeah. So we did that in Chesterfield a few weeks ago. Amazing feedback from two hundred and fifty customers that we sampled, and then following meetings with our buyers, um, we're in the process of uh, agreeing on something. So fingers crossed. We're not we're not quite yeah. yet there, um, but yeah, I'm looking at other areas to grow the business constantly um also introducing you touched on it earlier on our fitness menu yeah so that's exciting as a um sport nutritionist i wanted to offer um a fitness menu so not just healthy food in sort of like in town so you can go out for a healthy lunch but so you can know you'll have all the macros mm. so you can fit it into part of your meal planning um and the menu has been designed with a purpose so we've got from pre-workout to recovery meals with maintenance meals but each so your pre-workout um is 
got different portion sizes based on average body weight and whether you're training within an hour of eating or yeah. two hours or half an hour of eating. Wow. So there's lots of options, but very suited to what your goals are. Yeah. Um, the recovery and the maintenance meals are all split between, um, I say weight loss, I, I want to say maintenance because I don't want it to be sort of like a, you know, yeah. you will lose weight if you eat this, like yeah. a slimming world type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, weight maintenance, um, tissue growth, obviously um, strength building, mm -hmm. and joints and mobility and wow. immunity booster meals. So there really That's is awesome. something for everybody. Yeah. It's designed properly. One of a kind as well. You can't even get that in anywhere. Probably no. if you're in London, maybe you could get, not pikelets, but some kind of menu similar to that. But I've never heard that concept before. Yeah, so um, it really is designed with a lot of thought and will be promoted throughout a lot of different gyms and yeah. through our network of um, athletes in Derby. So that's, awesome. that's really exciting. Um, I think that we'll probably launch it at some, starting at some point next week and then there'll be a launch in the next two weeks. Wow. So that's somewhere where I've, I've been able to tie the two together. Yeah, so your love for... So it's all working out because obviously you started this in mind of supporting the magazine, which is still going to happen, but now your love for sport, fitness, health, nutrition is coming into your I've been able to, yeah, bakery. I've been able to um, yeah, use that influence yeah. in the bakery. And also to be able to help people as well. Yeah. So once I've got this going, I'm going to be looking at introducing some information sheets and things available. So people come in and say they want, um, I don't know, they want a weight loss programme or they're going for those meals. Yeah. We will have, I'm, visualizing mainly like articles from the magazine uh, from mm. previous issues that I can we can give to people so they've got general advice on nutrition on dieting on um, eating habits and how to sort of put that into their put that into their life. perspective yeah whether they're an athlete or just somebody trying to lose weight yeah. or just somebody trying to improve just their quality of life yeah yeah and what would you so, give people so you've done all this with your business what tips would you use for I mean how have you done that I mean obviously okay. without yeah taking it yeah how do you, you just talk even about for the me, actual business how would you what do you need to be doing and how does your mindset need to do because from the start of that business a lot of people have just gone oh do you know what it's just not working but you yeah. just was giving up ever in did it ever come into your mind um <laughs> I'd be lying <laughs> if I said no yeah. at various points throughout the last year specifically has been quite hard um but I think it's part of my um, nature. Mm. I'm a fixer. Right. So in my time um, in the NHS, I was a project manager and I worked in surgical services, improving patient services for patients. So part of my sort of my personality, I see things and I see where they should be or I see a problem and I see how to fix it. Mm. Um, so I'm always wanting to develop and grow things. That's yeah. really important if you take on a business. You need to not just assess the financial health of the business and you need to look at development plans, mm. where you want to take it and then be practical and look at the steps between here and there. So you break everything full, down. Yeah, full um, business plans, do risk assessments. Um, so, yeah, so looking at where you are, where you want it to be, so I'm trying to really simplify this yeah, so you can apply like it to, business. Yeah, you can apply it to any aspect. So looking well, at where loss you are or 
fitness goal or Abs- absolutely. moving a house or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so it's almost sort of like, yeah, so you could take a project, yeah. look at where you are, yeah. look at where you're going to be, yeah. the steps you need to take in between, yeah. assess, can you take those steps? Have you got enough resource to take those steps and support? So have you got the finance? Mm-hmm. Have you got the knowledge, the skills or the ability? Do you know people with those skills that you can help you? Or can you pay for those services to actually get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and research before. So if you, you may choose a business that's something that you're not that knowledgeable about yeah. or you're passionate about but you haven't got these skills and experience, yeah. um, do your research on the actual product, on the end, what you want to achieve and the steps that you need to get there first. Mm. Talk to people, talk to other business owners. A lot of people think that if I'm running a cafe, I can't talk to the cafe down the road because they're our competition and we're going to hate each other and, you know, they won't help. Um, Talk talk to people. Um, A lot of people are willing to work together. There's always something you can offer another business owner in yeah. in regard return for help and support and often in a number of businesses there is a borderline where the market becomes saturated and there are too many providers mm. and you're fighting for the same but there is also um, before you get to that sort of like tipping point there is a lot that you can offer each other in terms of pooled resources and support um to mutually benefit both businesses so main tip is use people yeah i don't mean use as in the yes. negative <laughs> negative aspect of using but people, people are there to help use, yeah use people ask questions do research um don't be put off by just looking at the end goal and thinking that's, that's too far i can't away. do that yeah look break it down into those intermediate steps and take it chunk by chunk mm. you might get to step three and think no i haven't got enough funding to do that or i need six people working for me to do that mm. or there just aren't the customers there to do that but if you've taken it step by step you've not just dived in yeah and wasted a 20 grand bank loan yeah um it's it's about breaking your goals down into achievable steps and being realistic about what you need to get there mm. and researching if you don't know and putting the work in, being consistent. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard work. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know if you know and accept that and embrace that. Yeah, but it's not. Having said that, it's not all hard work. Um, if you like doing it, that helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be passionate about what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so with because I'm conscious of time, yeah, I don't actually know how long we've been going. I want to talk before we end just a little bit about you personally. Okay. <laughs> so sorry to jump that on you. Oh yeah, sorry. Can I just go back to business? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to share um, recently, having grown the bakery, um, I've been looking at opening up. I moved away from Derby mm. two years ago now um, to live with my partner, um, and I've lived, moved out into like a smaller rural area, and as well as moving the bakery twice, three times over the last year. I've been travelling between Derby, living at my parents while I'm working in Derby, um, travelling my other half as a soldier, so I've been travelling down to Bulford near Salisbury um, wow. to spend weeks with him. So been a bit more sort of like a gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a... Uh, lately. Yeah. Um, but that has had quite an impact on my own sort of well-being. Um, and it does make things like 
moving or setting up new units, things like that harder, mm. has done over the last year. Um, one of the biggest pieces of advice is from me is to not compromise your day-to-day life. If you can do something with regards to planning a business, make it close to home, um, mm. or make sure that you've got enough staff so you can actually have that quality time for your family. Um, always do make sure you've got that balance. I mean, at the moment, so I'm looking at opening up in Nottingham so I can work from home, um, increasing my personal training and nutrition clients so mm-hmm. I can work from home. Yeah. Um, so I can live in my own house. Yeah. That, um, that would be nice. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So having that work life balance is really, really important. Um, and making sure, yeah, there are going to be times when you're going to need to work 60 odd hours a week. You're mm. going to need to give it your all. But having that balance and having time for yourself as well. So yeah. making sure you do That's take so time important. to eat properly, to work out. Even do if what you, you do end up do. having to get a personal trainer because you need somebody to keep you on track, mm. um, really, you really should invest in yourself and try and, especially with your own business, sort of, if you're your own boss, to an extent, you can build it around your mm. lifestyle. You've got the decision to make, you've got the authority to make decisions to make it work for you. Yeah. But you really, really should consider your own um mental state first yeah health and well-being mental state um and make it flexible to work around you yeah don't overlook that no because you see on instagram is oh it's all about the hustle and work hard you can sleep when you're dead and blah 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 but i disagree with that because my boyfriend is a high performance coach and people think high performance is more 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 it is but at the same time it's actually finding the perfect balance between your social life your work life your health your fitness so you can be the happiest you can ever be and you're not going to be the happiest you can ever be if you're focusing all your energy time into one area of your life because human beings aren't happy just doing we need a balance of everything yeah you need to find that out yeah you need to be able to function as well yeah (laughs) to to actually (laughs) sleep and maybe smile and yeah absolutely i mean i'm looking quite um tired at the moment my (sighs) Adrian's actually been stationed in Canada for the last five weeks. We've got six weeks on it, so I'm managing time zones at the moment. Oh my god! So staying awake till sort of two, well, yeah, two in the morning, um, as well as developing my business and everything else. Um, but I know this is only temporary. It's not something that yeah. I would continue. It's not if if he was going to be out there forever, or I would put a solution in place, a workaround. Yeah. Um, make a plan for that yeah and have that balance because yeah you need to sleep yeah you need to eat properly if you don't treat treat yourself well you won't achieve you can't fill from an empty cup is one of my favorite so going so before we finish before we finish off i'll tell you something funny listeners we've got my neighbor (laughs) outside the window he's gone now and he want is wanting to come and mow the grass and i've told him he can't because we're recording he said he's gonna wait so just thought I'd share that with you because I thought that was quite funny. He's popped yeah, he's just popping and he's doing some miming thing, but I'm just smiling and laughing because I don't actually know what he's saying because I'm concentrating <laughs> on the podcast recording. So, Katie, just tell us because as from an outside person looking in, I know mm-hmm. you a little bit well. We're friends, but we don't spend a lot of time together. How do you feel, or how have you felt about your body image and your weight and your health? Talk to us a little bit about that before we finish the. Okay. Podcast. Um, 
I am quite a confident person. I get, I um, feel that from I you. I don't, um, I say con- confident, I'm quite laid, I'm very laid back. Mm. So I tend to not care about what other people think. Yeah. Um, which is a blessing. Oh my gosh. It's sometimes amazing, sometimes it? it's a bit of a curse. It gets me into trouble with other people. Um but yeah, I I've never really had issues um in terms of body confidence. I have over the last year, and this is where I was talking about balance, mm. I have put on a bit a bit of weight. Um so but I know I am in the progress now of where I'm stepping a little bit back from my business, um, but trying to get staff into so making that, creating that balance and that time for myself. So you can spend so time can, on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a nutritionist. I know the science. I know what yeah. I need to eat. Um, but I also know the lack of sleep and things like that at the moment are impacting on my current state of health. Yeah. I'm healthy. I'm fit. Um, well, I'm she not... runs like a hundred <laughs> miles in one day, so yeah. it's fine. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm not overweight, so no. it's. Um, I have my idea of where, what I do want to be um, and probably about being a runner as well. I've never really had that, oh, you need to be super lean, you need to be, you know, you need to it's look more like a fitness model. Isn't it? For me, yeah, I get my value from strength and achievements. So I think that's so important what you've just said, to just repeat that. You get... Yeah, so I get, I get my value from strength and achievements. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. I go to the gym. And obviously, I train my legs and my ass a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see a lot of other women around me doing the same. It is a female thing. Yeah. But then I'm looking at them, you know, they're taking pictures constantly, yeah. social yeah. media. It's like all oh, leg workout, glutes, ass, ass booty. Yeah. And I thought hump day was nothing to do with the day of the week. I thought it was something to do with an ass day until the other day. All right. You know, like Wednesdays and Wednesdays. It's like getting over the middle of the week. Yeah. I genuinely, genuinely thought it was ass day and someone's <laughs> made, because everyone was just posting pictures. I genuinely, until someone told me last week, I was, I was like, oh, day. I thought Wednesday That's... was just ass day because that's all anyone ever posts. Yeah, no, people just jumped on it and uh, gone with the double yeah. entendre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I train, I like the way my legs and my ass look. But it's not for posting on Instagram. It's not for getting guys to look at me. It's not for yes. my own self, self, sense of self worth or getting gratification from other people. That's so, so, it's so powerful. Because I know I've built legs that can get off and run for twelve hours. Yes. and that for me is so it's valuable. Important. You can see now I've got a little smile on my face. I'm always <laughs> crying because I, I've only just reached the stage where you're at. And yeah. to go through years and years and years of spending my whole value as a human being into what my body looked like hmm. makes me so sad now because I couldn't, I didn't know a way out. It's a waste of time, yeah. And just you saying that is bringing tears to my eyes because it just means so much to me when you're saying that as if I'm crying on my own podcast, that's hilarious. But don't, that, yeah, don't is, get me wrong, I do have days where, you know, I just look dreadful or I'm having, I've got to have surgery on my teeth. Um, oh cool so yeah I don't even really want to get into that so but I do have things that every now and then I feel a bit like self-confident yeah. um, not so self-conscious, self-conscious. that's the word self-conscious yeah. about um, but I don't spend any more than sort of like a fleeting thought about it at the time yeah so that's amazing the rest of the time yeah what would you give me. people for advice so if you was talking to me a year ago and I'm like 
I've only, I'm only valuable. This is generally what I thought. I'm only valuable to myself and everyone else around me if I'm if I've got the six pack and I'm doing this. What would you have said to me back then? Apart from taking you by the shoulders and shaking you <laughs> and going, come on, girl. Um, for me, um, you know what? We've managed to go to a whole podcast without you swearing. <laughs> Which, have I not swore? No. Wow. No. Just cried instead. I think I, I was surprised my first podcast. The first one that I listened to, how swearing you were. Oh my god! <laughs> no, you apologised for it. I think you were quite surprised at the time that uh, yeah, it's no, one I did times. But yeah, my advice and apologise apologies to my mother is give less shits. Yeah, really do. Nobody else. You you know I see so many women that think oh, I've got to look this way. I've got to post this. I'm mm. not going to get a boyfriend, or people aren't going to like me, or I'm not going to fit in, or whatever it is that you've got built up in your head. You need to understand that he's built up in your head. Yes. It's not the truth. You think it's somebody the truth, but walking it's not. past isn't going to care. Give a shit, are they? They'll probably go, oh, yeah, she's fit, or that's nice. But, you know, they don't care. They'll probably think the same if you walk past, like, with an extra inch around your waist or yeah. whatever. Um, no one cares. They're no. too busy thinking about themselves. Beauty <laughs> does come from confidence. Yes. Obviously, I get you do that. need to be healthy. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's okay to go and. You know, put on five ten stone. Yeah, you need to be and not movable. Don't don't eat yeah. well. Not, yeah, I so agree. give some shits. Yes, but <laughs> when it comes to thinking about what other people think about yourself, you know they've just walked past you and then they're still thinking about what they're going to do at work, what they're yeah. going to eat, what they're going to do tonight. Nobody is going to dwell on how you look mm. um, outside of just glancing at you and walking past. Yeah. Um, it sounds quite <laughs> ruthless. No, but, but yeah, it's true. Really but should... we, I used to think, oh my god, what if she looks at me and thinks I'm fat, and I'd be worried the whole. And like that would take over my whole day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But she, the person who I even thought I was talking about, probably wouldn't even looks at me. So I've yeah. wasted a whole half a day wondering about what if someone thinks this. But do you know what I think now? What if someone sees me in a bikini and thinks I look fat? First of all, there's nothing wrong with fat, by the way. It's just a phobia we've got in this world. Yeah. But say if someone looks at me and says, oh, I think she looks fat, well, then what? I'm not going to die, am I? She's, no. I don't, I don't, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. I'm just continue doing what I'm doing. Well, that's it. And if that woman walks past you and looks at her and thinks, oh, she's a bit fat, she's just going to then take two steps forward and thinking about where she's going. Yeah. If she's got enough money for lunch yeah. or whoever she's meeting. We she put too much work. pressure yeah. on ourselves. For what other people think when it's not even an issue. If it's something that you think and you're unhappy with your weight mm -hmm. and you feel like you're fat and you want to lose weight, you know, worry about it. Yeah. Do not worry about what other people think. Yeah. Really, don't just learn to let go. And I know that's, that's easy. One. I know that's it easy for said. me to say. Um, but there are. I mean, you can go out there and you can go onto Google and you can look at. You can research for techniques. Um, yeah. Um, self help books, um, guides for That's achieving. Where I so this is where I'm taking it right back. Sorry, I know we're ready to finish, but right back to that finding a goal. Yeah. Breaking it down to steps. Find out how to do it and just do it. So yeah. if you want to give less shits, look at you know how what are you going to give less shits? Exactly. That's amazing. Um, whether you're going to counselling, whether you're buying a self help book from W. Smiths. Yeah. Whether you're just looking on Google and finding a six point um how to deal I love with different that. things. Yeah. I really Just love that. Get up and do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You're all worth it, guys. I'm moving now to get my phone if you can hear anything because I think my neighbour's about to come in the door and mow the grass in front of us. <laughs> but honestly, Kate, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. And I've learned a lot just from speaking to you. 
So, oh, where can we find you? Oh, yeah. Um, so, personal training and nutrition. Um, natural athlete, personal trainer on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, website will be up soon, but you'll be able to find that from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, have said that, it'll probably be up by the time you guys uh, you've published In two this. weeks. Two weeks, yeah. yeah. Oh, def- definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Um, Pikelets and Oatcakes, um, Derby Pikelet Parlour. So, pikeletparlour.co.uk. Just put Derby Pikelets into Google. We'll come up across all of the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Or come down and find us um, for something either really tasty. You know, if you're one of those dessert peoples, we do pancakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or chocolate syrups. And it doesn't have to be healthy, but our fitness menu will be available too. Um, in the Eagle Market, Unit 41. So we are at the top. If you come through the car park towards into straight into that entrance, you'll be able to oh, see I us. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, next to the card shop um, for, people, cool. for people from Derby. You can order them online, have them delivered. Um, so pikeletpile.co.uk, we do mail order across the UK. Um, but if you come into Derby or you're in Derby, come and eat with us. Nice. Thank you so much. So check it out, guys, and I've, I'm i going to definitely have one before I go back to the Netherlands because I've not actually tried one. But I should have bought some. Should have bought some, <laughs> yes. But no, thank you, Kate, and um, everyone have a nice day, and until next time, bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did get value out of it, then please share with a friend if you think it will help them and subscribe and leave a review. I would love that because that enables me to help more people. So thank you so much and speak to you next time.